Welcome to Layer Secret Podcast, a podcast ex about exploring the sprawling caverns of gaming, hidden treasures of kingdom, and the unexpected intersections of reality. I am David Moore, and I have had to troubleshoot all the things to get this stream going. <laughs> and I'm Ken Newquist, and I totally did not buy yet another role-playing game that I don't have time to play. I blame David Moore. <laughs> what? what? You blame me for true, what? what? What game? What game did you buy? Uh, Iron Sworn Starforged. Ah, gotcha. Which I have been seeing you guys talk about a lot in, uh, I guess it was Discord. It was Discord, right? And so uh, I just started see, I would, in Slack, moved over to Discord. Yeah, it's all over the place now. I've just been seeing the updates and it was fascinating and it was cool. And I'm like, wow, this sounds like a great game. I should get this game. And maybe I'll have once I, once I have prepared the Cyberpunk campaign, maybe they'll let me play. Yeah. But uh, I also <laughs> have some other ideas on it. But um yeah, so you want to explain what this thing is that you have uh, tricked yeah, me into buying? <laughs> it's um, it is a. I'm trying to remember if it's based on Forge in the Dark or Powered by the Apocalypse. It's it's Powered kind of both apocalypse. because Powered by the Apocalypse yeah. led into, you know, uh, Forge in the Dark, uh, which is right. the Blades in the Dark, all that kind of stuff. But um, the idea in uh, Starforged is. Uh, it seems primarily to have been developed as a solo game, I think, which is where um, Iron Sworn, there's an Iron Sworn game for fantasy. There's also Iron Sworn Delve, which is their dungeon delving aspect of it. Iron Forge Starforged is sci fi. Uh, when you go into it, it is uh, either solo, guided, or co op. Solo is fairly self-explanatory. You can run it through yourself. You can create the story as you go along. If you are stuck or you want a little inspiration, you can roll on a, an oracle. Uh, but then when, when a conflict happens, there are methods to resolve that conflict. Random matter, and it, not totally random. You know, It's based on your skill and your abilities and other things like that. Right. But in a manner that uh, isn't just you trying to say, yes, I win or no, I lose sort of thing. It, it, and it, and, but then you craft the story as to what actually happened based on what those roles are. Um, right. So like you can do a, a strong hit um, and I won't go into the, the, te the technical aspects of the dice rolling, but you can do a strong hit uh, where you basically, you get everything you want. You can do a weak hit where you succeed, um, but the battle's not over yet or the, the whatever challenge it is, it may not be over yet, or or there's a cost to it. And then there's a miss. And a miss might mean that if you're in combat, you get you get hurt. Or if you're, you know, trying to want to run away from someone, maybe they're catching up to you or have caught up to you, that sort of thing. And so like and that aspect of it is for any of these types of games for solo, right. guided, and co-op. Guided is almost your traditional role-playing game, you know, like, like your traditional Dungeons and Dragons or your old school essentials or whatever. Um, the things that, that you and I at least are most familiar with. And, right. uh, but instead of it being a story that like, it truly says you do not need to prep for these games <laughs> because you're supposed to lean on the oracles and you're supposed right. to lean heavily on, uh, on the moves that you, your, your characters get. Um, right. And like you can role play as the, as the person who's guiding the players, you can call for moves, you can call for other stuff, but you're never going to roll dice. Um, it's always going to be the players who roll the dice and, and, but they can get strong hits or weak hits or, or misses right. pretty consequences. easily, you know, they, all those consequences happen. So when you, when you see what the dice happen, you can help narrate what is happening. Like, especially right. if there's like an NPC or, or a giant gas cloud storm going on right. outside your ship. And then the co-op is there is no guide. Everyone is a player and is able to craft the story together. Uh, and, but you all, you really lean heavily on the oracles and your moves in that. Um, and it is definitely a mind shift from a traditional role-playing <laughs> game because 
like we have a group of four of us that are playing. We've uh, we ran through what are called the truths. So your Iron Sworn Starforge universe will be different than ours um, cool. because each there's like 12 truths or something like that. Uh, and there are three suggested truths that you can roll as like an Oracle, or you can just read and go, I like that one. That one's cool. Or you can make your own truth. That is part of that particular part of that particular piece. Let me see if I can really quick grab over here. I might have this in this giant stack of paper I have over here that I should <laughs> clean up. Uh, I don't. Oh, no, I do. It's in the clipboard. So like some truths are, well, lots of rustling of paper today. <laughs> it's funny because we're doing this all online, but I still printed out a whole bunch of stuff. Of course, that's what I do. <laughs> you know, you start with the cataclysm. Why did your, uh, why did humanity flee the galaxy that they lived in to go to this other, this other place uh, that, uh, that they call, I think, yeah, that they call the forge, which is kind of like a, a star cluster or, or even its own galaxy, but it's a, a different galaxy. Right. Then you go to the exodus of like how humanity fled. And then what are communities like in the forge? Uh, the next one is iron, which is iron sworn. The core thing that runs through it is adventurers swear vows upon iron um, okay. or swear vows upon something. And you gotcha. have each character has their own personal vow. It's an epic vow, as in it will last probably your entire character. You know, the entire time that you are playing, it is the underpinning of why you adventure and why you're doing the things you're doing to get to the goal that you ultimately want to get to. Gotcha. Takes a very long time. So you may swear <laughs> other vows that are most likely not going to be the epic level. They can range from like trivial up to epic, but... Some they'll probably be below the epic level, but if you have like, you know, like if if this were Star Wars, you know, uh, Princess Leia, her vow is to take down the Empire and restore the Republic uh, to the galaxy. That's right. an epic vow, you know. It it took three whole movies, you know, and maybe not quite even like like. The Empire kind of came back, so she's kind of got to renew that vow or whatever. <laughs> renew the vow. <laughs> That's kind of the driving force of that. And it, it reminds me of like Spirit of the Century and other fate games where at the beginning of the book, it says your characters are proactive people. They go right. out and get get things done. They go out and have goals. They're not given things to follow. They don't, they aren't led around by the nose to, to follow a story. Right. They make the story. Right. I think that's what their intent is for the vow here is you give your character a goal and then you relentlessly uh, or not so relentlessly, depending upon the character, but you pursue that goal. <laughs> right. Like there are more truths here, like laws, religion, magic, which can range from does not exist to unnatural energies flow through the forge. Magic and science are two sides of the same coin, you know? So like your world, your setting can be very different from other people's settings. Um, and it's just, I, I like the way you create it and we created it kind of as a group. We, we kind of went through and went, yeah, I like that. And then, and then as you're, rolling on these oracles you're like oh yeah so the medicine is controlled by this guild that is you know that is harp that is definitely you know they're still healers but they're very protective of their knowledge and you know and we realized also with the politics side of things and the laws that that they're ruled by houses and so we were getting this dune kind of vibe we realized and and later on it was like, oh, uh, one. And I think this was kind of our own truth that we came up with was AIs had been developed before we fled and they and AIs came with us. And we made the decision that AIs are the only thing that can travel the paths 
between stars and travel faster than light. There's there's these okay. flows that you that you go go along. So every ship would have to have an AI, except if you are one of these secretive navigator type people who can also as a human who can also travel these things, the AIs or the AIs might not want other humans to be able to do that or other political entities might not want to do that because they control the AIs, but they don't control these people. Right. And so that like all of that stuff is added in for our story. But mine might be totally different. But yours could be totally different. Uh, so that that was like our first session. You know, it, it, we took about three, four hours to go through all these things and talk about the different possibilities and start creating some characters, which they have this really neat set of things, especially if you're playing in front of each other or playing by yourself. They've got all these cards, which I happen to have a nice printer that takes cardstock. And then, of course, I had to have rounded corners, so I bought a little corner punch thing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, as you do. As one does. <laughs> but it, it's really handy because it, each one has the base move of, say, like navigator or scavenger on it. And right. it gives you a certain ability. But then as you gain more experience points, you can buy the the second and third ability that are on each card. Or you can buy a brand new ability or or module for your ship or whatever. Yeah, this is expanded cargo hold. Uh, for your ship. Um, and when you buy it, you can carry up to three cargo, but you you can then buy either of the other two, such as when you make a move to outrun a threat and have at least one cargo, you may first lighten your load by dropping cargo. If you do suffer, suffer minus cargo by the amount dropped and add plus that amount and take plus two momentum on a hit. So basically you can add points to your roll when escaping, if you drop cargo in front of the people that are escaping, that you're that are chasing right. you. And then if you actually roll a hit, it's a really good thing. There's a thing called momentum in the game that each character right. has and you build momentum kind of like in a movie. And as you're overcoming challenge after challenge and the, the hero just seems to be going really, really great and everything's going well for them, they're gaining momentum, gaining momentum. Well, what you do is say you roll and it's a really bad roll. You can burn all of that momentum. You don't have a choice to burn part of it. You burn the whole thing and that becomes your roll for your skill. So you can have a 10, um, right. but you know, and you normally roll a D six and add it to your skill. So you can have it up to a 10, but your the challenge dice are two D 10 and you have to, uh, uh, if you beat two of them, if you beat the number on each one individually, that's a strong hit. If you beat gotcha. the number on one of them, but fail on the other, that's a weak hit. And if you happen to get like something like two tens uh, or a 10 and a nine and you roll an eight, that's a, that's a miss. Gotcha. You know, and the average roll on a D 10 is, you know, mathematically five and a half compared to three and a half on a D six, you know, even you know round up or down the D tens are going to normally beat the raw D six you know, right. most of the time. And so having a good skill and having the, your moves allow you to get get bonuses and things like that really helps. But it's not going to help. It's not going to win out all the time because winning all right. the time makes for a boring story. Exactly. So it was, it was fun <laughs> to watch you guys talking about it in the channel, which is is one of the reasons I was I was I wanted to get it. Um, I'm yeah. not blaming, going to blame you entirely, uh, because <laughs> honestly, my, my my lunchtime game, both of our campaigns have wound down. Um, I'm currently writing the epilogue for my uh, Scales of Truth, Dungeons and Dragons, Science Fantasy campaign. So I got maybe two or three more sessions, but we're we're basically at the end, kind of rounding out what happened to the characters, and our GURPS campaign actually ended. Um, so we were talking about games we might want to play next and a lot of several of the folks in the group mentioned wanting to do something sci-fi ish. And it struck me based on what you were describing and what, um, what I was seeing happening in the channels is that this could be a cool, like lunchtime game. We only have an hour low prep because you can rely heavily on the oracles. Everybody could play if we did it as a co-op. Um, yep. It's different. We have a couple people in the in the group who've played um, Power by the Apocalypse or Power or um, or played um, 
uh, Blades in the Dark, you yeah. know, yeah. what call it. And so I think, and there's some who are just traditional D&D folks, but I think that they would be able to pick up something like this pretty easily because the moves are there. Yeah. Right now, it's, it's more complex because there's a lot more moves. But, it's more uh, complex because there's a lot more moves, but like you... Um, the, one of the major differences in this compared to like powered by the apocalypse is the sheer number of moves. And also there are no playbooks. If you're familiar at all with that, Mm, there are no playbooks at all. When you create your character, as you go through creating your setting, it has you draw out some of these, some of these cards and say, you might be, you know, if you lived on one of the world ships and, you know, that was derelict or whatever, and you had to scavenge for parts, you might have, you might be a scavenger. So it like pulls out all these things and gives you suggestions of, Hmm, think about this for your character. Think about that for your character. And at the end of it, uh, you will have three of these cards and that becomes your playbook. Uh, I'm picking a, like, these are all, incorrect but like i am a <laughs> i'm a navigator explorer with a with a survey bot okay we all share the one main ship everybody is on the one main ship but evidently i am escaping from a criminal past and i bought the ship for an unreasonably low price <laughs> and so all of that is you know melding in with all the other stuff that is uh uh, that is all the other characters as well. Every time you play, it's not like you have a choice of six or 10 different playbooks. You have you have a choice of this basically really thick stack. You get three of these things out of this really thick stack. And they've got gotcha. some ideas for like, if hey, if you want to play this kind of character, choose these three cards. Mm-hmm. There's some ways like if you only have your time at lunch and you want to just get all character creation done, then you pick one of these and, and go good. Just go for it. Yeah. And I think if, if the guys decided we wanted to do this, I could see we, we how we ended our GURPS campaigns. We all just got together for the because we wanted to be in person. Normally we're online, but we all wanted to get in person for the last game. And so gotcha. I could see easily doing the flip for the start of the campaign. We're going to do four hours of character creation. We're coming in on a Sunday or something and we're just going to we're going to do that. And then that that sets us up to get the campaign up and running. So anyway, yeah. I, I got the PDFs. I have, I purposely not read them because I'm working on cyberpunk <laughs> red. Um, Appreciate that. And the, you know, the, the rule book will be coming eventually, you know, it's out there in the ether. So that'll be a nice little surprise. One of these days, um, yep. but it looks really cool. And I like, so yeah. I like the solo games. I played a fair amount of those during the pandemic and uh, someday there'll be some write-ups that make it onto a layer of secrets, but uh, it just looks cool. I like I, and I've never actually played a game that had oracles like this in it. And I, I've read a lot about them, but I haven't actually done anything with them. So from a collection standpoint and from like a, like being able to look at a new rules mechanic standpoint, like I, I, I can justify it. I can totally justify it. I take it back. It's not your fault, David. It, it was research. It was research. <laughs> research. I, I mean, I got it for research because I've read so much about it. And it's like, hey, I wonder if I could reskin this for Dyson Fall because it does. Like one of the things that it does is it develops relationships between NPCs and other things like that. And that's a big part of what I wanted in in Mm -hmm. Dyson Fall to have a mechanical reason to develop, to encourage basically all the rollable tables are available in JSON format. And people have then taken those. uh, One guy took that specifically. There's other stuff for Ironsworn, but specifically for Starforged, there's uh, a thing that I've forgotten the name of, but it allows you to. Put in your character, put in all your truths, has all the oracles, will roll some of the stuff for you. And then the one thing I hadn't shown was the top sheet here, which is going to look horrible on, on camera, but, you know, and even worse in the podcast. Uh, yes. But it's it's a little it's a one third of the of an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that has a hex grid on it. And that is the map of the sector that you're in. And then the bottom two thirds are all the descriptions of your locations in that sector. And every time and there's a there's a a path that goes from one area of the sector to another area of the sector. And then one of the like in this case, we have three points of interest. One of those points of interest will always lead out of the sector. Mm. And it's very reminiscent of 
The Last Emperor by John Scalzi. Mm. Um, with all the better. Know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could totally, you could totally run a, a Last Emperor style game with the shoals and everything like that with this setting. Yeah, so it just it's really just like checking all of the boxes. So I, I felt like I had some some money to play with. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna get this, and yeah. I will I will do something with it after I finish working on. <clears throat> cyberpunk red which i am actually working on mm-hmm. <laughs> i spent this weekend i had some time uh my wife was away you know so it was just me and my son and i spent the weekend playing with tailspire because uh, i have uh, the the goal of building out um the the cyberpunk red easy mode module in it basically two basic maps one's an outside sort of industrial warehouse area the other is inside of a warehouse and so it should be fairly straightforward to build out in tailspire and it was quite (laughs) it was quite the adventure as you got to hear because i i got to a point where i got stuck and i'm like i'm not really sure what i'm doing here i should probably like slack david and say hey can you can you help me here because i'm a little confused yeah but um (laughs) what what i've been doing yeah i mean you solved you solved (laughs) the issue that you had pinged me about, but I, I also was showing you here's some of the other key commands or other things like that. And that's when you realized having just a two button mouse without a mouse wheel hampers yeah. things a little bit. Uh, there are it keyboard does. commands that do may do work, but they're not ideal uh, yeah. for moving around. So what I've been doing as, as I'm, as I'm building out these maps, uh, I started basically just taking notes and I'm going to put it up on uh, layer secrets. Once I've, I kind of get to done on maybe one or both of the maps. And so I'm like talking about the hardware I'm running um, and like the limitations we ran into, right? Like it's windows only, it won't run in GeForce now. So you have to run it on a physical computer. Um, I'm a Mac guy. So like you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. I, I may not always have the appropriate mouse for doing this. I did actually have an old Microsoft IntelliMouse, which has the scroll wheel in the middle. And it does actually double as a click, but as a, as a third button, but right. not well. So uh, I think I have to invest in a new mouse. <laughs> um, okay. Figuring out how to work with two displays uh, when I was, you know, I went on this whole yak shaving expedition to, to actually just get to the point of being able to use Tailspire. And yes. so I talked about, you know, what the various things I needed to do to actually get to the point where I could even work with it. And then, oh, hey, yeah, how do you import a map? Right. Because I have these maps once I actually got them into a shape that I could use, because unfortunately, um, our Talsorian has not released them as standalone maps. I super duper wish they would, because um, it would make it a lot did easier to eventually use it. for the street stories book and PDF. This feels like for the easy mode. It, just make it a little bit easier for me, guys, and, and release yeah. them as maps. But that's okay. I was able to get them out. Then I got into this weird situation where the maps were coming in inverted. I'm sure there's a reason within Tailspire, but they were they were flipped. And so okay. then I had to flip them horizontally and vertically in order for them to come in and match uh, the layout in the book. Okay. So which, which you know, that was yeah, fun. I didn't actually have that. <laughs> I didn't have that issue. In or and and what Ken is talking about is bringing in a 2D map into tailspire so that we can lay you can lay down tiles yes. to yeah, sorry, make the map <laughs> and tailspire by default does not have that ability more yak shaving for ken was how do i you what is this how do i bring this in okay there's this image to plane plugin okay great now what's r2 modman what does it do oh it installs that plugin for tailspire and i have to run it and tell R2 Modman to run my Tailspire so that it can mod it when it starts up. And so if you yes. launch Tailspire without it, you can't get access to that 2D map. And then every time you shut it, it forgets all the stuff you did uh, in terms of 2D map stuff so that you have to reload it again. When you reload it again, it sounds like it's hard. Once you do it a few times, it's right. not that bad. And plus, <laughs> Like you're going in with the you don't have to do it. You could have your image sitting in front of you on the desk if you really want to. But, um, you know, like when you when I've when I've done it, I brought I bring it in and I play in Tailspire for a couple of hours and then and, and have built pretty much the skeleton of what I want. And then I don't need that 2D map anymore. And I can just add things like clutter and and furniture and other things like right, that to riffing, make the right? app look. Yeah, you start riffing on it. Empty, empty beer and pop cans strewn all over the place because it's cyberpunk. And uh, 
you know, and then I can have it in a different window or whatever. So, you know, you don't have to load those all the time, but it is certainly a good help when you're starting a map that you want to copy. Yeah, so it was quite the it was quite the adventure. So what I'm trying to do is kind of call out how I did it. And mine's admittedly more complicated because I'm running this on an on an old iMac and I'm dual booting into Windows. I'm not going to get into the details of that figure. People can figure out how to roll to install Windows. But I did come up with, you know, like, oh, this is my Windows machine. I usually use Photoshop on my Mac. I don't have Photoshop on a PC. So let me go get GIMP. Wait, how do you use GIMP, which is an image manipulation tool? Because it's been a few oh, years since I use GIMP. <laughs> so it's been fun. <laughs> You got Photoshop, to a reasonably good place, right? Or the, oh, actually, your Photoshop is probably on a different machine. It's on a different machine, which means yeah. you'd have to pull everything over there, edit it, pull everything back. If it was the wrong size, you have to do it all over again. Yeah, and so then I have like a share set up with my iCloud account, and then I had to install iCloud for it was guys. It was hilarious. I was actually like multiple times on Saturday just cackling to myself in my dining room while I was doing this because it was getting more and more ridiculous as I was getting to the right place. And again, some of this was self-inflicted. If I was a Windows guy, I wouldn't have some of these problems. But yeah. I got to a pretty reasonable place. I built. I started building up my buildings. I was so satisfied with myself. And then I jump on with, with you and like, oh, yeah, you know, there's there's these things you can go out and get the slabs for Cyberpunk. There's like completed buildings. And you go and look at yep. them. Mine looks like it's a three-year-old built something with blocks. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's like freaking cathedral notre dame right like yeah it's literally i think you i think someone actually has <laughs> built notre dame with tailspire or something equivalent to it um like there, if you play D and you want castle the the strad's castle someone has built it yeah it's it's amazing and there are probably it's multiples a, of them out there you know and, and then, there's yeah, one it's, it's really really impressive <laughs> yeah and, and there's one thing that i i would like to point out for anyone who's interested in Tailspire is it's like you're at a table with some really cool terrain and your eyeballs are above the terrain and your miniatures sitting right. there on the table. You're not looking like stuck in third person view over your mini or looking first person through your mini. It's really is designed and meant to be played as if you were a player at a table with some cool terrain on it. Yeah. And I say this because I tried to get it to work the other way. And that's like, that's not how it's designed to do it. You know, like right. there are all sorts of problems that the developers don't have to do, like making sure the camera doesn't like gets, you know, isn't trying to look through the middle of a the backside of a wall because it's trying to focus on where your character is. They don't have to do that. Right. You know, there's still a little bit of futziness with the interface that I'm still struggling with. Um, there's some, some height sliders that you can, if you slide them down, you're the top levels of like, if you have a multi-story building, the top levels of the multi-story building kind of fall, uh, fly away and disappear so that you can look into the level you want. And that I don't seem to be able to use that properly, <laughs> or at least not when I was working with Ken on it. It would like sometimes work and then sometimes not. I think it's just, I think that's me not knowing how the interface works, not Tailspire's yeah. fault. Yeah, so it's 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 amazing stuff. There's uh, some people have built some. Uh, so there's a cyberpunk slash science fiction add-on for free ta free add-on for Tailspire that made all these resources available. I got a little lost and couldn't figure out where the resources were, but I found it just yeah. before David got online yeah. with me. And by add-on, um, it set. comes with Tailspire. Sorry. It's yes. not not yes. not. You don't have to load it through R2 Modman. There no, are plenty don't. of other things you that you can load through R2 Modman, but I have not experimented <laughs> with those yet. There there are mini packs and things like that. Yeah. So there's people who have um, built out like these different cyberpunk pieces. And then there's a person who basically like put them all together. So you have essentially Night City, right? Um, the equivalent of a Night City. It's it's pretty it's pretty freaking impressive. But that's not yes. what I'm doing. I'm, I'm actually just trying to do easy mode <laughs> and learn this and learn the program. It is pretty cool. If you like Dwarven Forge and you're the kind of person who would like to lay out this huge, great virtual set for your players to walk through. It's a great, it's a great tool, but it, yeah. there is a bit of a learning curve <laughs> yep. and we're going to help you with that when I eventually post this post. <laughs> yeah. My, my goal is if we are gaming in person to have, to allow players to have like their, a laptop or whatever that can run it on the table, or maybe just have, have it running on my machine and, showing through the Chromecast on the TV in the living room. Right. And then, you know, moving their characters for them or something like that. 
you know, I think it would be pretty cool if we could do something like that uh, and have the cool terrain and yet also be in person. Um, yes. So, yes. but I, I'm looking forward to this for for Cyberpunk Red because we we did do uh, a sample game to learn Cyberpunk Red, and I was like, hey, here's Tailspire, everybody, and and like let <laughs> uh, and Ken and and Chris uh, and was it Josh? I don't remember. I think it might have just been the three of us. It might have just, just been the three of us. Um, and I literally that day went on to, uh, I think it's like Tales Bazaar, which is where all these, uh, there's two different, there's Tales Tavern, Tales Bazaar, and they have what are called slabs or boards, which is all this user created content that Ken and I were just talking about a minute ago. And you can literally for slabs, you can go, hey, I like this. This looks like a, a cyberpunk junkyard. Copy, go to, you copy, copy a text, literal text string from there. Go over into Tailspire. You can open up a new empty board and then hit paste. And suddenly there, it's right there in Tailspire, fully editable. You can do whatever you want with it. And amazing. so we had our first, <laughs> first little firefight with Cyberpunk Red, but also our first experience with Tailspire. And that was our test to, to go, do we want to use Tailspire on the stream? And the answer was yes. <laughs> so we'll see. I'll, it'll be curious to see like how long, you know, I can see it being great best for set pieces. And I think we talked about that before, right? Like where you're setting up a cool encounter and it, you really want to leverage that sort of like immersive feel of the setting as opposed to, you know, more role-playing oriented. I don't, I don't, we don't need, Tailspire for that sort of stuff, no, but no, you can set up some pretty cool encounters and have that three dimensionality to it, right? Like where I think a lot of times when you're in just a traditional battle map, it feels like it's it's flat because you don't typically build up. Yeah, and for everybody's like ease of use on their characters, because not everybody is a hundred percent well versed in Cyberpunk Red. Um, I think we're probably also going to run a roll twenty like in the background or like on another monitor or whatever. And that's where everybody can keep their character sheets, but we're right. going to use Tailspire for the map. And then, uh, you know, like everybody loves physical dice. So we'll probably, you know, we, anybody could use any of the dice rollers, um, right. including the one that's <laughs> built into Tailspire. Right. The one thing with Tailspire is it's system agnostic. So it allows you to roll dice. It can measure, it can show area of effects, but it's not, it's not written for any any particular game system, not even D and D, right? Uh, similar to Albert Rodeo in that, in that it's 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 a cool place to play around with minis, um, <laughs> and and make your stuff look cool. We've been talking, we've been talking for a little while. We have, yeah, like <laughs> we haven't talked for a while. 30, so we actually talked minutes. for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were off last week due to life stuff. Um, I, I was ill a little bit. On way too many medications right now, but uh, we wanted to talk about our favorite card games. I think we talked about that we were going to talk about this fairly recently. Indeed, and, and one that we have we have five five card games, three of which I'm pretty sure. Uh, well, two of which Ken and I have Ken and I share as our uh, as some of our favorites. Uh, the other three is is like I think two. Ken has two, and and I have one. Other than that, so, but the first one is Flux. Why don't you tell us all about Flux? Yeah, so Flux is cool. It's it's a family friendly game with a ton of themed sets, and so the basic setup is it's a, it's a rules based game where you start throwing down additional exceptions to those rules. So every game starts with a basic card that tells you how many cards you can draw and play. So the typical rule is draw one, play one, and then um, as the game progresses. That's just one rule card, but you can add additional rule cards as you go along. Now, what you're trying to do is there's these objective cards. Um, so, for example, um, one objective might be hot chocolate. Um, and you're like, well, hot chocolate, how is that an objective? Well, you have also things that are called keepers. And keepers are things like sun, chocolate, love, time. Um, and so what you're trying to do is get the keepers that match the objective. So hot chocolate might be sun and chocolate played at the same time in the game allows you to complete that objective. Um, there are also these additional rule cards. You know, they might let you, uh, you, they increase the number that you can draw or the number that you can play. They also um, can say there's no hand limit. So you basically like, if you don't, if you, left, if you have leftover cards, you have to discard anything that remains. 
Um, you can have a hand limit of three. Like the, it, it manipulates the game in, in interesting ways and it tends to spiral. So you get yep. more and more rules. And then there's a rule called let's simplify, which I love and I've occasionally uh, wanted to play in real life where you get rid of half the rules or you get rid of all yep. the rules and you reset back to where you were. Um, there are also action cards which allow you as a single player, like draw three, discard one, um, steal cards or keepers from somebody else. Um, trade cards, you know, trade hands, that kind of stuff. And generally, again, mess with the rules. So you've got one, two very simple rules that you suddenly add all this complexity to. Um, yeah. And it's pretty cool. It's easy to play with kids. Uh, my kids played it a lot when when they were younger. I will say, if you're going to play it with younger kids, we're talking like five, six. So kids who are, are able to read, because the rules are fairly straightforward, um, especially for the, 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 the explicitly family-friendly games, right? The ones that are called out for mm -hmm. kids. They, they 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 don't understand when you playing a rule is going to make things less fun. <laughs> so I think as the as the adult in the room, you basically have to be sitting there going, OK, this is starting to get out of control. They're having fun, but I can see how everybody's going to be miserable if this continues. So then you hold back that, like, let's simplify or, you know what, I've got the draw two. I'm going to get rid of the draw five because it was fun for a while. But now that everybody's got way too many cards and it's slowing down the game. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely with adults, it's great because with adults, everybody just is enjoying the complexity of it and laughing and what have you as you're stealing stuff with kids, you know, you have to kind of manage that complexity a bit, at least in my experience. Yeah. And there are some sets that add things like what are called creepers and all creepers with as, as always with this game, with some exceptions, all creepers. If you have a creeper in front of you, even if you have the things that would satisfy the goal uh, the objective uh, you can't win if that creeper is in front of you, but there are some, there are some goals that require a creeper. There are some goals that, or there are some cards that allow you to move or get rid of creepers or win with a creeper, um, things like that. But, you know, it adds another level of complexity to the game. Uh, and you know, some of those games can go on for a long time if there's a lot of complexity. Um, yes. but <laughs> At the same same time, like you can you can have a we we let me back up a minute. We love this game for especially in the before times, uh, we would go out to a restaurant and we'd order food and we'd pull out flux. We'd pull out one one of the copies of flux, many copies of flux we have. Uh, we'd pull out flux and we would play until the food arrived. Sometimes we'd get two, three games in. Sometimes we were still playing the first game <laughs> because it had gone so long. Then the food arrived. It's like, well, okay, I got to clean up. And we just sweep all the cards together. Unfortunately, I don't have it there. there the, one of the newer fluxes is called Olympus flux. Um, and so it has like Zeus and Aphrodite and Hera, etc. There is a rule. Uh, you have to call them by their Roman name. So like <laughs> Zeus becomes Jupiter. Gotcha. Um, et cetera. And, and those names are printed on the cards, but if you call them by their proper name, it gives you a bonus because of that rule, that sort of thing. Gotcha. There is also little pieces on the bottom of the card that there's a rule when the rules in play, it says you, you name the God that you're about to put out. And if, if the person who is, who's basically to your left, who's next going to play, if they can say what's on the bottom of that card, they get to draw a card. <laughs> So it, it, it's kind of encouraging you to learn that Artemis is the goddess of the hunt sort of thing, you know, and, and sort of stuff like that. So there's always a little bit of a of a learn uh, of, of learning in it, but it's very gamified and it, it's only a little bit of learning. But uh, right. they, you know, Batman flux, not a lot of learning in it, but yeah. but uh, I have Martian flux, Martian so flux, hopefully not Martian. necessarily a learning thing in it. Now, this is actually my demo copy. I think I think I got this as a review copy when I was still doing reviews for SciFi.com. Okay. But this is a great game because there are many of the of the keepers allow you to mess with other players, and so there was like there's like the mind control laser or beam that um, can force you can use it to force somebody to give you another keeper if I remember correctly. But okay. there's a keeper called Tinfoil Hat that prevents that from working. Nice. <laughs> Nice. And so there's a lot yeah. of that kind of stuff. Like there, there's a humans. lot of similar stuff in the <laughs> Doctor Who flux as well. 
if it sounds like you could take multiples of these sets and combine them together like Munchkin, <laughs> you can. But your game, because objectives and keepers are confined to the set that you're playing in, uh, you're basically going to exponentially lengthen the game as you try and get through the deck and find the right keepers and the right the yeah. right objectives yeah. and not have all of your keepers wiped off of the table like everyone's keepers wiped off of the table because someone played an action card that did that yeah so i would recommend that side of things i'd recommend playing one set and then going let's play this other set now yes i completely agree um it does get kind of frantic like at the beginning it has a a little bit of a ramp up as people are starting to play cards and it's it's a different game to play when people are learning versus when a game that people understand the strategy that goes into flux because you don't necessarily want to get certain keepers out in front of you sometimes you actually want to force everybody else to get their keepers out so it's it's a cool little game it's a lot of fun i think it works for both kids and and adults speaking of another game that that works well for kids and adults exploding kittens it's probably backwards uh, no, I'm seeing it correct. Okay, it's a, it's only backwards on my screen, uh, oh. which means it'll be backwards <laughs> when this when everyone here is looking at it because this is what's streaming to Twitch. Yes, this is true. <laughs> it is backwards. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is exploding kittens. This is uh, I got the Kickstarter. Um, so I also have the not safe for work edition. We're not going to show those. Um, there they are. I would say like junior high, high school lunchroom humor. Fairly crude, but also funny, but not for everybody's sensibilities. Yes, definitely. Exploding Kittens is kind of cool. It's a elimination with your friends, uh, mess with your friends game. Don't eliminate your friends. That Sorry, that might have come out wrong. Uh, you eliminate them out of the game, not game, completely. Yes, yes, you're not offing your friends. Yeah, so depending upon how many people you have in the game, there are there are Exploding Kitten cards. Uh, that explode in different ways. You know, uh, let's see. This one is, I don't know what this is. This is a, oh, this is a, expl- an exp- oh, this one might be a not safer work one, uh, but it's okay. <laughs> it's it's a cat who is munching on grass and then vomits it up all over a children's playground. So that's okay, one well, of that's them. That's an exploding kitten. <laughs> Another one is, uh, this, this particular one is an uh, exploding kitten in a nuclear missile silo launching nuclear missiles all over the world so all kinds of weird stuff if one of those cards comes up uh you are forced to immediately show it and if you cannot diffuse the exploding kitten usually by like scratching it behind the ear or whatever uh whoever has that particular whoever drew that particular card uh gets eliminated right why don't you uh take over from here yeah, so there's different kinds of there's other different kinds of kittens. Like there's a uh, like kitten vomiting rainbows. Like it's it's all just kind of like juvenile humor, but it, it's amusing. There's a taco cat, um, and so I don't remember the specific rule off the top of my head. But if you have pairs, you can do different things. So if I think if you have double doubles, you can draw a card from somebody else. If you they have to give you a card, and if there's a triple, you can do three. Whatever the point is, is you can get cards from other people. There's action cards like in Flux that allow you to. Uh, ask for a specific card right like so does anybody have a taco cat um you can also uh like uh have, there's diffuse cards which allow you to deflute diffuse the exploding kittens um there's see the future so you can see what the next three cards are there's like one that allows you to rearrange the order of those cards so like you can decide like oh well i know that it's going to be david's turn in two moves so i'm going to set it up so the exploding kitten's going to hit him because i don't think he has a diffuse in order to take care of it then shenanigans happen and somehow you end up with the exploding kitten. That has been my experience. Yes. Um, <laughs> the goal is to be the last one standing. It is a fun, often, I would say, raucous game. Um, it is not great for people who don't like elimination games. We play this a lot in Scouts. Uh, it is currently in the vault uh, because people were getting very uh, heated playing <laughs> exploding kittens <laughs> because it is a mess with you game, right? So there's a yeah. certain level of um, maturity and perhaps... Uh, that, that you need in order to to play this game because you got to be able to to let people mess with you and also be okay with messing with other people so yeah. it's not always great for people who struggle with that um my kid loves it i think we got this when he was eight he loves cats so this was just like a logical we need to get this game and so for the most part i think if you're if your family is comfortable with that sort of competition it's great if not 
there may be other games that are better for you. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the artwork is done by the people who do the oatmeal. I think it is webcomic. Yes. Yes. And so it's it's uh, it's line drawings, but it's also like very humorous. You know, there's beard cat. It's basically a cat that's in the shape of a beard on a guy's face. Things like that. Uh, and yes, uh, if you play a pair of like, say, beard cats or two taco cats, uh, anything that doesn't have other game altering text on it, if you play a pair of those, you can steal a card from another player. And the weird part about this game is you can play as many of the cards in your hand as you want. But at the end of your turn, you have to draw from the draw pile. And so there are times when it's like, I have to draw from the draw pile. I know the next card is an exploding kitten. Maybe I can play a bunch of cards in my hand and get somebody else to do something um, or even skip my my own turn so that I don't have to draw on the draw pile. Right. It's, it, yeah, so it's, it's, it's fun. fun. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, it would be another, uh, it, it's, it's another game that you could play at a restaurant or just, you know, oh, yeah. if you had 15, 20 minutes somewhere else. It's uh, normally it says 15 minutes to play, um, two minutes to learn, 15 minutes to play. So yeah. it's great. My, my daughter plays it in college. Like they they really enjoy it. And my kids actually went to PAX Unplugged, played it at PAX Unplugged. Like they went into a nice. exploding kittens tournament. They loved it so much. So nice. <laughs> so for now the, this next, the next one, game, I I don't know that I've ever heard of this game. I, you might have told me about it, but I have never, never, ever played it. First, I'm cool really seeing game. it. Yeah. So the game is called uh, Morels um, and it is a it's a two person game. So for a while there, I was on a kick to find two player games that I could play with my wife. Um, our go to for years has been Carcassonne. And we talked about Carcassonne previously, but I was looking for card games that we could do that with. And so this is a two person game. And the idea is that uh, you are walking through the woods, uh, picking mushrooms. And then you are trying to pick up uh, sets of mushrooms, which you then cook. And then um, as you cook them, you get points based on the rarity of the mushroom. Um, and it's a fun little game you lay out. So basically it has these different cards. So I'll show uh, some of the cards. There's a there's a honey fungus card. There's nice. a uh, hen of the woods card. So these are different kinds of mushrooms. I've never even eaten some of these mushrooms. Um, lawyer's wig mushroom. Um, these so are, to, these I think, are mushrooms that like you would need to know how where they grew in the woods and farm them yourself. These are not yes. these do not sound like mushrooms that you would normally find in a grocery store. I don't think you're going to go to ShopRite or Giant and pick up uh, these kinds of mushrooms. You might right. you might go to a specialty place that has these yes. kind of mushrooms. You might right? go to a high end restaurant that has them. Right. So you can imagine that you are walking through a beautiful European forest with maybe your, ha your you know, your, your faithful pig at your side. There is not actually a pig in the game um, looking for <laughs> various kinds of exotic mushrooms that you're going to cook with. Um, and then you get bonus points for for if you use special ingredients like uh, apple cider, mm. uh, uh, butter. Um, I get hungry just like talking about these cards because yeah. my wife and I both love mushrooms, right? Yeah. And so we'll play this game and we're like mushrooms really sauteed in mushrooms. a little butter. Mm. Yeah. Now Good. there's also poisonous mushrooms. So there's a there's a destroying angel, which is actually a toxic thing that has in-game effects that can like negatively affect you. But sometimes you want to draw this mushroom because it's going to have consequences, but you're willing to deal with the consequences to get some other cards. Interesting. Um, so I won't go into overall mechanic, but basically the idea is you're you're walking along the path, you're picking up these mushrooms. Every game, every every turn, you're adding new mushrooms. I think you you take two mushrooms off the path. There's basically like I think six to eight cards that are lined up. The two at the far end come off. Two new ones come on, and so it's recreating that experience of walking through the woods. And then eventually, nice. you, you gather enough mushrooms and you cook your mushrooms. There nice. is a multiplayer expansion that adds some additional rules, then allows you to play it with three to four players. We actually played that over the summer with our our friend at Lake Champlain. Um, it's a cool little game. I recommend it for any couple who wants to just kind of have a chill night. The kids are asleep or maybe they're out, you know, at a football game or or what have you. And you just want to have a glass of wine and, and maybe some mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> the edible kind, although I won't judge if you decide to have the other kind. These are definitely about edible mushrooms. Um, it's fun. It's a very relaxing cool. game. You know, cool. so it's it's kind of our chill date night game when we don't want to go out. I would probably get it, but I have bought so many of these that I, I what I would need to do is I would have to 
find someone who had a copy of it and borrow it or be at a con and say, hey, Aaron, sit down with me. Let's try this thing out and find out if she likes it. I don't want to I don't want to buy it and then go, oh, it's just going to sit on the shelf because she's hesitant to even pick it up because it's now in her house and now she feels obligated or something. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think I may have tried this one out at Gen Con. You know, that's where going to one of the cons or there's demo tables running. Right. Yeah. Like I had gone to Gen Con expressly looking for games that my wife and I could play. And so um, this and to your point, I have many two portion games. This is one of the ones that stuck. Gotcha. <laughs> Yep. Weirdly enough, uh, and more on our board game list from the last time was uh, I picked up the newest version of Clue. Oh, OK. Uh, because while I was prepping for my colonoscopy, which I found <laughs> out because of because I had covid, I had to move it. And it was ended up being the day after we were supposed to go to a dinner theater and I couldn't go. So. <laughs> My wife and I uh, decided, OK, well, Teague and our youngest is would really like to see Clue. It was just going to be a date night for Aaron and I. But I was like, take take Teagan, go have fun. I'll just be here. <laughs> I'll draw the curtain on that part. They had a lot of fun with, with at Clue. The the movie is amazing. Both Aaron and I are huge fans of it. And they had a lot of fun. And I'm like and and we were talking about it and she'd like, you know, it's like, it's just like, it's almost just like the board game and in some ways. And so we, we got it. And, it, and so I, I went online and looked and, and it was not too expensive and they said what they would play. So we got it and played it. <laughs> the rules are a little different now uh, than they used to be. Uh, you used to have to move between rooms to like, right make suggestions of like, Hey, was the study at all involved in this murder sort of thing? Right. Now you just have to be in a room and you can just make a suggestion and you don't have to move. Like huh. they took most of the idea of clue away. So I'm, I think I might find the older set of rules and print those <laughs> right. out. Like it's like they, they made the game simpler to play, but it didn't need to be made simpler. Right. And they've got a lot of cool, uh, like metalized murder implements, but there's no gameplay around them. You just scatter them around the rooms for flavor or something. Oh, right. Um, gotcha. So it's weird. It's weird. But it, but it was fun. We played it. It was fun. We played a couple rounds. It was fun. Tegan won. I won one and Tegan won one. Nice. So uh, another game, though, that you, uh, I wasn't supposed to talk about board games. So, but you, uh, <laughs> You have another game here that I've heard about a lot, but uh, Race for the Galaxy, but I don't know what it is exactly. And I want to play. It's a it's a really cool game. So we actually discovered this one. I think at, it was at Origins in like 2000 and it was whenever you and I were both at Origins, like 2008, okay. 2009. It was um, it, it was. About then. Uh, sounds probably 2009 ish. That was when uh, Tegan was still at the daycare area and somehow had gotten hold of scissors and cut her <laughs> right, eyelashes. <laughs> not only cut her bangs, but cut her eyelashes, <laughs> eyelashes short. That was an and interesting so the, find. <laughs> the funny thing was my friend Lance was was at uh, was at Origins with us and he got just addicted to this game. And so like every time we turned around, he was in the open play area, just like, playing a ver he, like just playing it. He bought a version of it and like he sucked us all into it. And so we've we've loved it. So the idea for Race for the Galaxy, um, and I guess the, the story behind this, it was it was originally meant to be a card version of Puerto Rico, the board game, which I've never played okay. Puerto Rico. So I can't really. Compare I've heard a lot about Puerto it, Rico. but I have not played it. Yeah, so it's like resource management e, management e, um, but it wasn't quite working in terms of replicating that sort of gameplay. But it worked really well for a themed race for the galaxy game. So the idea here is that you're building a galactic empire and you're trying to expand it as quickly as you can um, while generating points. So there's a lot of different mechanics. And so the idea is you're laying out 12 different cards. The first person to get to 12 ends the game, but it doesn't necessarily win the game because you're trying to rack up points as you go along. Our and next so, game is kind of like that, too. So. OK, cool. Foreshadowing. So, uh, 
So the strategy is you've got games like I'm holding up one right now, which is Volcanic World. And I have to say, this is one of those games like when we were playing this, I think I was huge into Mass Effect and it's got that Mass Effect feel to it. Um, and the artwork is very reminiscent of like all of the nice. kind of the setup for for Mass Effect Lost Alien Worlds, Uplifted Species, Galactic War eventually. And there were like five expansions, so it can get kind of ridiculous. Nice. Um but it's really cool. So you have you basically have these worlds. So I'm holding up Volcanic World. It's a brown world which allows you to create uh, ore. Like it's a mining resource. It's brown resources. <laughs> okay. And you can spend those to um, to purchase worlds, right? And so and you can either um, buy additional cards or you can use them to buy victory points. And the idea is you're you're building out this tableau and they reinforce each other. So. You, you try and get a theme going. So in a in a ore centric or a mining centric build, um, and I should say this isn't a collectible game, right? Everything you need right. to play is in the de- is in the cards, cool. is in the game that when it comes with it. But um, you don't necessarily know as you're drawing what you're going to get. You don't. You just draw. I think an initial five cards, and and then you figure out what you can what you can gotcha. do with it. Sounds kind of um, like an engine building game. Yeah, sort of. In some like I, I think that's what they call it where. Where as you build cards, you're trying to find cards that have synergies with your other cards. Yes. And then it's just like a yes. big giant snowball of, right. of stuff. So there's like a like mining guild, right? And mining guild gives you bonuses for playing mining worlds. And then there's like the mining conglomerate. And that's like a level six card, which is you know, very expensive to build and play, but gives you end game bonuses and rewards you for every mining related card that you have in the game and there's different ones like that there's a consumer goods one where it's all like entertainment worlds um there's another where they're very expensive cards but it's alien technology and so it can take a lot to get the alien cards but if you get the alien cards they're going to be worth a lot of points and that might be enough for you to win the game and and when you're playing it there's not a lot of opportunities to mess with other people so it's almost like you're playing a collective solitaire game Mm -hmm. but you have to be cognizant of what other people are doing because if you're going for a mining build, but then you realize that somebody else got one of the cards you're going to need, then that's a problem. <laughs> you probably can't pursue that build. The other thing that's interesting is the resources are actually represented by the cards. And so okay. if you produce uh, if you produce a, a, like a good on a particular world, you take like two cards or four cards or whatever to represent that good. Um, and so the interesting thing from a mechanical standpoint is it's taking that card out of play, right? Because it's, it's now sitting on this world representing goods that were produced by that world which means somebody else can't use them so it was interesting because at origins people were actually using tokens to represent the goods that were being produced so that they didn't have to use the cards but as we were talking about it after the fact i'm like well you've actually kind of fundamentally changed the gameplay because you're not taking cards out of circulation if you do that yeah right yeah um which you know either way it worked uh it's a really fun game it's uh it's plays, I think it's like two to four is the base set. There have been myriad expansions. There is a Galactic War version, which allows you to have Rebel. The One of the storylines is Rebels versus Empire. And so uh, those two factions can start to interact with one another and you can steal cards from one another. But that's really sort of like a secondary game mechanic. Um, there's another game uh, that that is a spinoff from this, which is called Roll for the Galaxy, which my son and I have actually been playing a ton of. It's a great two person game. Maybe if we get into dice games that we love, <laughs> we can talk more about Roll for the Galaxy, but it's it's, nice. it's similar. And I'll say this for this game. We can get into it more in a future episode. If you ever wanted a game that has hundreds of dice, and I'm not exaggerating, this is the game. <laughs> gotcha. Because it comes with like 80 dice and with the two expansions, you probably... is uh <laughs> is I, I think I don't play a lot of of dice games Uh Late, you know, not not because I don't want to, but just lack of ability to, uh, in terms of like availability. Yeah, but Quarriers was a lot of was a lot of fun. I even had the, I think I had the iPad uh, or Android version of Quarriers as well. But yeah, you can get a lot of dice in Quarriers as well. And each of those games are different, too. Right. The other thing that's interesting about this game is that it has a phase mechanic. And so basically, as a player, you're picking which phase you're going to go on. Right. So there's an explore phase, which lets you get to draw additional cards. There's a settle phase, which is how you would actually play those worlds. There's a a trade phase where you're producing. um, Well, there's a produce phase where you're producing goods. Then there's a consume where you actually consume those goods. And all these have mechanical effects. Right. And so the interesting thing is 
I'm paying attention to what other people are doing because I'm gambling on what phase you're going to play, right? So gotcha. if you know that so that's I've been part of the strategy, it's part of the strategy. Like if you know that I've been scrambling to find a particular world, and there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to be doing explore. So you don't need to do explore, but you kind of want explore to happen, but you're going to do settle. Gotcha. <laughs> Alternatively, right? You're like, you can see that you have a whole bunch of worlds out, but none of them have any goods sitting on it, right? So if I can see that you're in that situation, you've got three worlds, no goods, there's a pretty good chance you're going to choose produce, which means I don't have to choose produce, right? Because uh, you want to try and get into this efficiency of, well, that means I can play a development card which is a different kind of card, right? On a different phase. And then maybe you can get that synergy going or all of you are just desperate. <laughs> You're not paying attention and you all just go on the same phase. Gotcha. Um, but it's a, it's a fun so, game. So if you've chosen to, if one, if you're, one of the other people at the table chooses a particular phase. Everybody do, does that phase? Yeah, sorry, I should okay. explain that. Yes. And yep. you get a bonus for picking that particular phase. So there is a reason why everybody would want to choose produce, because you get a little something extra if you chose that phase to be your phase. Right. But even if you didn't, you're still going to get to do something. So you might right. get one good on your world while you get three. It's been actually a while since I played sure. this, because this is one of our go-to games for the real world group, and we haven't met that often since the pandemic. But right. it's cool. It's cool for a game that that is is a is largely solitaire um it's interesting how you still have to pay attention and it's still very social gotcha so i i, I very much recommend it for people who like are looking for a sci-fi game to play with their friends but don't want something that's really cutthroat like you like managing your own thing you like paying attention to what other people are doing but other people aren't going to come along and, and necessarily mess with you in the way that they would with say exploding kittens yeah i said a minute ago that you know, when you got to in Race for the Galaxy, when you got to 12 cards, that that triggered the end game. Right. The next game, uh, this that's my only segue into this next game. Uh, it's called <laughs> Six Nymphed. Uh, there's another more English name for it, but Six Nymphed is what I know it by. It was actually suggested to me by our other former overlord, Overlord Johnson. There are ga there are cards from, I, I believe it's one to like 106 and they're just, just they're just numbers okay <laughs> every person at the table gets a hand of 10 cards and then there's like a tableau on the on the table of four cards in a column and those are random you each take turns by taking one card from your hand and it has to go in the row that 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 the number the card you've chosen uh, has to go be the closest number to one of the cards in the column that it, but the card in your hand has to be greater. So if it's less than okay. it, it basically it's like, it doesn't fit sort of thing. Right. You have to place those in that order. Uh, so sometimes you're like, Oh, I have five, six and seven. And you're like, okay, I'm going to play five. And then someone else plays eight. Well, now you can't play six and seven in that row. And, and you're stuck with that, you know, so you're you're playing these different cards. If you can't play a card, like if all the numbers are too high and you have a bunch of low cards, I believe that's when you can choose to take a row of cards and then place a new card of yours from your hand down. And the cards you picked up kind of go into a side pile for scoring later. Um, gotcha. If you are the person who would who would place down the sixth card in a row, you pick up the other five cards and that sixth card becomes the new, uh, the new card there. And you play these hand, you play uh, until your, your hand is empty. Everybody's hand is empty. And that's when the, the round, round turn, whatever the hand stops and everybody counts what's they, what they've picked up. So you're going to do this probably multiple times because the end game trigger is, the first person to get to 66 points triggers the end game. And so when they when the last play has gone on the last round, uh, you know, you played all the cards in your hand, you tally them up and you go, oh, somebody, you know, I got 66 points. We're done. You know, like that's the end game. Everybody else looks at their points. You know, oh, I got 68. Oh, I got 60. Oh, I got 50. I got I got two, whatever. Um, right. the person with the lowest total score wins. Um, so your oh, goal okay. is to not take cards. And so that's, that's why you would do, oh, this person put down a five. Um, I don't know that they have 
you know, six and seven, but like they may have a gleam in their eye or whatever when they put it down. Right. I, I don't know. Your own, you have to go with your own gut and go, yeah, I'm going to put an eight here and hopefully block, you know, right. Six and, you know, five and six to get put down if someone put down the four or six and seven if someone put down the five. But it's, you know, there's up to 104 sort of thing, you know. So it's entirely possible that that first card in the row could be 104. You can't place anything higher than that. Right. And so there is sometimes a strategy of taking a row and putting down a card that you know that you have a good line after for. And so you're willing to take the hit on those points. Gotcha. Um, not every card is worth the same cards that are divisible by five and divisible by 10. Like I believe that it's if they're divisible by five, they're five points. If they're divisible by 10, they're like seven or 10 points. And then all the other cards are worth, I think, one or three points each, uh, depending upon their numbers. It's it's fun. It's a, a bit of a math game ish, uh, but it plays really fast. But it all it's also got some strategy in it in terms of like which cards do you want to put down now versus which cards do you want to hold? You know, wait for a row to clear so that you can, you know, start with these other cards, et cetera. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It, it would be another one that would be okay at the, at a, at a restaurant as well. Um, right. It gets, you would need a decent sized table. It's not a huge table space, but you don't want to have like tons of glasses and plates and stuff around in order to fit everything. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's, it sounds interesting because my, um my family, particularly my in-laws really enjoy playing card games and I could see that like they like to play Rummy and May I and just like there's if there's a card game, we probably played it. And so I could see this being a different kind of game that they would really get into because it's got that it would scratch that particular itch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and this was actually suggested to me, uh, I believe, because I had mentioned another card game called The Mind, which was all again, all number cards. This one has an interesting play, which is you're supposed to put down cards they're all numbers, and as you put down cards, you start with a, a base number, and the next player has to play another card that's higher. There's no, it's not, no one knows who the next player is. So mm. what, what I mean is, like, say a four gets put down. Somebody has to go, okay, well, I have a five, I can put that down. But if they have, like, a ten, you know, you don't play, you, you only have so many cards in the deck uh, in your hand, I should say. And there's a huge amount of cards sitting off to the side that are not in play for that game. So right. like, even though you can go up to, I think like 101, you may only have 30 cards in the game. And so the person to, who's supposed to go next is supposed to lay down the next highest card that they think anyone else at the, at the thing at the table has. And this is a, basically a cooperative game, but you're not allowed to talk or give away <laughs> what numbers that you have. So you kind of got to get right. this synchronicity with your, you know, with your other players going of like, uh, like, is this the right way? Is this the right, right way? Right. And then if it gets wrong, you, you, you get like three strikes and you're out sort of thing, you know? So like if the group gets three strikes, then game over reset, try again. Uh, the goal is to get all of your cards played out, and played out so that's always the, the whole the whole discard pile is in ascending order um, that was called the mind and that was i think that was i was mentioning and talking about that with with chris johnson and he was like you should try out six nymphed it's a different game still with numbers i think that's basically the, the right. thing there but uh <laughs> it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun to to, to quote uh captain america adding it to the list okay all right <laughs> Well, thank you for your attention. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We're on YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitter, and Mastodon. Uh, and if you want any of those things, you can go to layerofsecrets.com, and we've got a list. We've got all of our links there. Um, we even have a Discord link. Uh, and so if you want to join our Discord, I believe that that link is up there too. Uh, you are very welcome to join. There may be more by the time you get this, so head over to Layer of Secrets to find all the places we have infiltrated. And thank you very much. Have a great time. Have a great night, day, whenever you listen to this. It's nighttime here. <laughs>